In this episode of the Philly Blunt, we sit down with Philly Mag's Victor Fiorillo at Bob and Barbara's on the 1500 block of South Street. Victor is Philly Mag's most popular writer and a local musician. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us reviews on iTunes. Track us down on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all as the Philly Blunt. And visit our website, thephillyblunt.com, for photos and extra material. And I come back. Now, I had broken the Swiss cheese pervert story on Friday, the day before, um, you know, that this thing was happening and that people were looking for him. Uh, and I come back to the car and she said, dude, wh- what were you doing? I said, oh, I just wanted to go meet the Swiss cheese pervert. <laughs> She's like, dude, you cannot do this. I have kids in the car. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes, and uh, along with me is Violations Greg. Violations Greg, what's up? Hey, how are you, Johnny? Doing all right. Yeah. Uh, sadly, uh, Reef the Lost Cause not with us this week. Hopefully. I'm hoping he comes in like... Still, yes. Yeah, still like, one of uh, kind of coming through the doors, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, with uh, both both guns blazing. Like with but, a limp running like off the bench. Yeah, yeah, what what yeah. basketball player was that back in the day? Willis Reed. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, right, right, right. Right when the thing really starts to look bad, <laughs> yeah. Reef comes in for the save. Yeah. Um, all right, we are with uh, Philly Mag writer Victor Fiorillo. Uh, Victor, welcome to the program. You guys rock. Thank yeah. you, thank you. It's good to have you here. Um, and uh, well, we'll get started. We are at Bob and Barbara's, uh, of course, the vaunted Philly bar on Fifteenth uh, and South. And uh, we've started doing a thing where we ask the guests, "What bar do you want to do uh, the interview?" Uh, Tiger wanted to do it at Good Dog, which was. A Solid pick. Uh, you decided Bob and Barbara's. So, what is it about Bob and Barbara's that made this the pick? This is my uh, first bar that I really went to in Philadelphia. Um, I came here one day back in uh, God. I don't want to remember how long ago that was. I'm 44 now. It was when I was 21, and there was a sign out front saying "Yes, the AC works," and it was 103 degrees and humid in Philadelphia. So my girlfriend and I came here. Uh, years later, I met my wife here, uh, mm. so I have a lot of history with this bar. Uh, my band has played here. I've sat in on the Hammond B3 with the jazz bands here. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, you can get a shot and a beer for, I think, $3 at happy hour and $4 at uh, non-happy hour. So. so you're a guy who goes out a lot. In fact, part of it's going out for your job. Uh, what is it that makes a great bar? Wow. Um, well, for me, I don't. I'm not really into the craft beer thing, so that's not something I go in for. I like fine cocktails. I like fine wines, uh, and I like really shitty beer. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't think Pabst is shitty, but a lot of people do. So, you know, I like I like cheap, you know, good beer. I like a good atmosphere. I mean, this place has a lot of character. I mean, you look around; it's basically a museum for Pabst. Um, you know, I think it's more about like what makes a bad bar, and, and there are so many of these out there. And one thing to me that I just can't stand is when you walk through the door and it takes like eight minutes for anybody to pay attention to you. Like, I understand if you're busy, right. fine. Just say, hey, I'll be with you in a minute. And here I feel like there's a certain level of customer service that I really appreciate. They used to have a great jukebox here. Um, now they have one of these awful play anything uh, uh, jukeboxes. The worst. You know, you get a guy like on a Saturday night playing Billy Joel, the same Billy Joel f- song three times in a row, and you just want to stomp him. I don't know what kind of arrangement they get for putting these jukeboxes in, but I feel like 
what's lost. I feel like what's gained if you have a great jukebox that you take care of, like Doobies has a great jukebox that sure. it's the Doobies jukebox. It's curated. And it's curated. They, they tried to keep the, uh, the old jukebox here, um, but it kept breaking, and at some point I think they just had to give up on it. Right, okay. But so, they do live music here many nights of the week. They have different shows, and there's never a cover except for the drag show on Thursday night. So I also like that, that they do yeah. live entertainment. Uh, I guess basically at the end of the day, I'm a cheap bastard because I'm telling you well, there's free shows, <laughs> there's cheap beer, and that's about it. Let's get a little bit into your bio, um, and let's uh, we'll start with you grew up nearby. So I was born in Narstown, and when we were uh, when I was six years old, we did the whole uh, you know white flight thing to South Jersey, and uh, you know my parents bought a house that was too expensive for them, and it was in the woods on a cul-de-sac with a pool. Um, and then, uh, so I you know grew up and went to school in South Jersey. I dropped out of high school when I was sixteen. Uh, and moved to uh, Philadelphia shortly thereafter. When you talk about dropping out of high school and, and moving to Philadelphia, that's a pretty dramatic. It's a pretty dramatic thing for a 16-year-old to do. What, yeah, I what, think. Where, where, where were you sort of in your life at that at that point that would cause you to say, "Screw this"? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things is that my parents insisted that I go to a Baptist uh, Christian school. Um, you know, we grew up. Uh, Christian, and I'm still a Christian, um, but my school was uh, very, you know, hyper-conservative and, um, you know, f- uh, fundamentalist. Um, so there came an occasion where uh, everybody in the school was going to march on Washington and carry uh, giant signs of aborted fetuses, um, and wow. I refused to go on the trip. I got suspended. One thing led to another, and at some point I just I told my parents, you know, I want to go to a different school. They said no, and I said, "Fine, I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm dropping out." Wow. So you dropped out of school, and then, and then, when you were still 16, 17, is that when you moved to Philly? Yeah, I guess it was probably when I was seventeen. I mean, I dropped out, and then I kind of lingered around for a while. And I guess it was like when I was seventeen that I first moved uh, to the city. I uh, got some apartment in South Philly with some crazy uh, woman in her fifties who was a witch and uh, just did very odd things and. Um, <laughs> And that, and that, and that's it. Uh, and like, I've been like, here ever like, since. Give us one odd thing. <laughs> I mean, you just can't gloss over that. I mean, she just—we're not naming I, names here. We can be honest. I mean, there's stupid things like she would, when she would take a shower, she would like turn off the water while she was, um, you know, like soaping up her body or whatever because she didn't want to waste the water. So I'm all for conservation, but that's just, I mean, standing in a shower without <laughs> water running just sounds like the, one of the worst things I can imagine. Um, she also did like incantations and things like that. And, you know, there were various, like, I think animal sacrifice, you know, it was, it was a weird scene. So, sure. so let me ask you. So but I, it was cheap. And again, I'm a cheap bastard. Right, so. Of course. Yeah. So my, my shower head. So when I soap up, <laughs> I often put it on the uh, flow saver setting. So it's a trickle almost. Is wow. that as weird and crazy? Yeah, it's yeah. not quite as weird. <laughs> I mean, you, quite, would, you would just hear her go into the bathroom, and it was a very small place, and then you would hear the water go off, and you would think, oh, I can take a crap now. <laughs> right. But no, because then the water comes back on, and it goes back off again, and it comes back on. I, you know. All right. Well, Greg, you were saying earlier that you're... Uh, um, My partner. Your partner. Okay. She doesn't need to be brought into this <laughs> with her name. Well, you were, you were talking about how she wants to go to Ireland to... Um, She's into all that stuff. She wants to go to pagan sites. Thin sites in Ireland where the veil between the living and the dead is so thin, like wow. graveyards and stuff. So yeah. 
So that's kind of She would have got along great with his roommate. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's too bad they yeah. couldn't have been roommates. Right. So you drop out of high school, and somehow you end up at Penn. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. I don't really know why I wanted to go to Penn, but I guess I figured I should do something with my life, and I... Um, applied to Penn and they accepted me, uh, but they said they insisted that I get my GED, which I didn't have yet. So I got my GED, I went to Penn, and then I dropped out of Penn. Um, so I think I've just decided at this point that school is not for me. So you go into work in IT, which I'm guessing you probably weren't enamored with. I, well, I got a job at the help desk at uh, Blue Cross, uh, which was awful. Um, and they, but they actually paid for Penn. Um, except that I had to maintain a certain GPA and I stopped going to classes and didn't withdraw from them. So I wound up failing these classes and at some point in like the last, I don't know, 15 years, I finally paid Penn the $10,000 back that I owed them because Blue Cross wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, I mean, with interest and all that stuff. Right, of course. All right, so so you're working in IT and you're, you're researching a vacation to Haiti. And uh, next thing you know, you're writing a cover story for Philly Weekly. Right. So How did that all come about? So what happened was um, I left uh, Blue Cross to go get a job with Comcast. Um, a friend of mine said, you should really come. Get out of that. Come here. Yeah. I so got to <laughs> come to this little mom and pop thing I got going on over here. It's called Comcast. <laughs> get out of that corporate environment. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, my friend recommended me for a position as systems engineer. <laughs> so I got hired by Comcast. Uh, they had just launched their uh, like Comcast for Business kind of package. And so I was, basic, I was basically working a help desk, but for these businesses, some of them which were larger, who would call and say, like, you know, everybody's emails out. We can't. And I, I swear to God, I must have hung up on 50% of the people that called in. I had no clue what I was doing. I was completely a fish out of water. I used to uh, come to work like f- straight from parties where I was rolling on ecstasy, like coming into work. Uh, this was around the same time that I met my the woman who is now my wife, um, and she said, "Dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why why are you working this job?" And then she said, now, "He was not being paid by Comcast to give this story. Like, this is not a a pitch for the business for the Comcast business." No, um, and uh, I, uh, she, uh, we had known each other for about six months. We had met here at the drag show, um, and uh, after about six months, uh, she wanted to go on a vacation. And I said, where do you want to go? She said, an island. I said, okay. Yeah. And I researched. Hey, who doesn't think of Haiti right away? So I, I literally, <laughs> this sounds awful. What was the cheapest? Yeah, it was the to? cheapest. Yeah. I, <laughs> The whole theme going. I think Jamaica was like $30 more. Uh, we went to Haiti. It wound up, we went there during the presidential elections. There were pipe bombs. There were guys with machine guns shooting up uh, people on the street. It was pretty awful. Paradise. So this was before, this was before uh, what's his name from the Wycliffe became president, right? Oh, yeah. Because he ran for president a few years later. I yeah, think. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what happened was while I was down there, I discovered a Philly-related story, and I was good friends back then with Liz Spickle. Well, she's still a friend. Uh, not as good of a friend, maybe. Uh, but uh, she was the uh, managing editor, or she was uh, one of the editors of the Philadelphia Weekly, and I told her, you know, I'm um, in Haiti. I sent her a message. I'm in Haiti. You know, there's this crazy story about Philly. She said, you should write this for us. And I said, well, I'll, you know, never written anything in my life, you know, to be published. 
and uh, you know, I, I came back and she wrote it with me, and it wound up being the cover story, and got me on NPR a couple times and in a documentary. Um, and then Comcast fired me <laughs> and, um, I came to, with totally, totally good reason. Yes. Oh, yeah. established. You, oh, yes. you can't possibly have a beef with Comcast. <laughs> yeah. There was no lawsuit here. There was no lawsuit. <laughs> All right. Um, my wife, uh, said, you know, why don't you, uh, try something different other than being a systems engineer and said, you know, that journalism thing seemed to go pretty well for you. Um, and uh, I was, fr- uh, I'm friends with the owner of Marathon Grill. Uh, and he said, "Dude, I, you know, I know a guy at Philly Mag. Why don't you go intern there?" Well, I'm 26. You know, I'm not in college. <laughs> I was collecting unemployment, working at Bob and Barbers under under the table. And I said, "Yeah, okay, sure. I'll uh, I'll go intern at Philly Mag, which is what I did." And um, after six months, my unemployment was running out, and I went in and told my manager that I had to give notice. And she said. Uh, well, the funny thing is, I just gave notice about two hours ago, and I recommended you for the job, and you know that was probably 18 years ago, and I've been there ever since. Wow! And I've never hung up on anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've had know. lots of people hang up on me. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course, so, yeah. We uh, to set the record straight, though, I just heard people complaining Bob and Barber's pays no one under the table anymore. That's a previous, <laughs> totally on the books. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> of course. Um, okay, so uh, so now you've we've got you at Philly Mag, so now we can kind of start talking about some of the some of your career there, which has been uh, pretty illustrious, oh, and, legendary. Uh, yeah, and uh, you've definitely established a name for yourself. Um, I think let's start. What's the most exciting story that you've ever covered? We'll start easy, and we'll start moving our way I a little mean, bit there's tougher. Just a giant elephant in the room, which. What's that? That's I don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, 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 no, he wants to talk about the Swiss cheese pervert. <laughs> oh, uh, come yeah, on. Yeah. Well, I was going to bring that up mostly because the other day, Preston and Steve, they're on vacation on WMMR, and they played like clips from their favorite you know, episodes over the years when they're on vacation. And I got all these people messaging me saying, dude, they're playing your Swiss cheese pervert episode. <laughs> so that definitely comes to mind. Um, I mean, that was quite a saga, quite an investigation. I mean, I caught the guy before the police could. I guess. Yeah, so how, how does that happen? Or how do you get a tip on the whole story yeah i mean uh you know i just uh, i have a sense of urgency about me so when i hear about things i start calling people i start how did you hear about it uh it was originally there was a photo of the guy holding up a piece of swiss cheese uh in front of his penis (laughs) in his car in his his car car? uh in mayfair Uh, it was posted on the mayfair town watch page and i just said dude i have to get to the bottom of this (laughs) um i think that was on a friday on Saturday, I said to my wife, hey, let's go to our favorite sandwich shop in Narstown, which again is where I grew up, and we take our kids there, and we're driving there to the sandwich shop. It's called Lou's, and their famous sandwich is called a Zep. It's like a hoagie, but different. And I said, hey, just pull off to the side street for a second. She's like, well, what are you doing? I was like, just pull over here. I have to go do something real quick. And I walk away, and I come back. You know, I'm like maybe 50 feet away, and she sees me going up to a door and knocking on the door. <laughs> And I come back. Now, I had broken the Swiss cheese pervert story on Friday, the day before, um, you know, that this thing was happening and that people were looking for him. Uh, And I come back to the car and she said, dude, what were you doing? I said, oh, I just wanted to go meet the Swiss cheese pervert. (laughs) She's like, dude, you cannot do this. I have kids in the car. Like, what if the guy started shooting, you know? Did you uh, meet him? Oh, yeah, I met him. So what's, what's going through your head as you're walking up to that door? I said, well, I hope he answers the door. He did. And, uh, you know, he he had no shirt on. I said, are you the Swiss cheese (laughs) pervert? 
Um, he said no. Uh, he clearly understood what I was talking about. And I also, you know, had the photos of him and I was looking at him and I snapped a photo of him. And then uh, we went to the sandwich shop. I ordered a Zep and then I went outside and called my lawyers in Boston and said, dude, you know, I've got this story. I got to break it today. And it's a little crazy, but, you know, let's do this. So that was one of my favorites. Um, How did you get the lead on his house, his address? Or who he was, you know. Uh, I found name and names. Or I found his OKCupid account. A woman sent it to me because oh. she had been solicited by him on OKCupid, which then I was able to tie to a Facebook page, which then I was able to tie to a name, which then I was able. He wasn't using his real name, but wow. it was a thing with <laughs> That's his. Hard to believe. It was a, it was a thing with his like <laughs> Facebook username, you know, which was like whatever it is. Let's say it was PBR. B&B or whatever. You know, when you Google those Facebook usernames, a lot of people don't realize they have them attached to other things. And then you get this information, you get that information. And then I go in deep and do like a background check, you know, with social security numbers and match people up. Does Philly Mag pay for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, I mean, what I, kind of what kind of cheese did you get on your hoagie that day, <laughs> dude? Provolone only, provolone only. Okay. Right, like, what do you remember about walking? Was this house well kept? Like the, the no, the, no, no, it was not well kept. Was um, well kept? I mean, I don't know. It was also in a neighborhood in Narkstown that's not particularly well kept to begin with, okay. and you know, but it was a kind of like ramshackle house. And uh, so, why why do you think that story took Philadelphia by storm? <laughs> Swiss cheese pervert. I mean, like, what do you need? What do you need me to explain here? Let me ask you because I have so, I have a stat here somewhere. You, you probably see. Oh, celebrity 2012 poll. <laughs> they had you as um, you had you were hated seven percent less than PGW. <laughs> and I was wondering if you think that gap has widened. I was Trump. so <laughs> pissed that I did not win that contest. I mean, really, I think Celebrity nominated me for excommunication three times. Celebrity, which of course doesn't really exist anymore, right? Um, but they nominated me, I think, three times for excommunication, and I never won. And I was really uh, upset about it. I, I mean, listen, I, I get a lot of hate mail, and I get a lot of fan mail. I get more fan mail than I get hate. Mail. Uh, my employers are very happy with me. I'm, you know, the most read person, uh, you know, on the Philly Mag website. Uh, so uh, we were talking a minute ago about uh, you were talking about some hate mail, and I asked Lee at Hop Sing if he had any questions for you, and uh, not surprisingly, both of them had to do with hate mail. <laughs> uh, he his first question was, uh, Victor, why do you incite hate mail? <laughs> you know, a lot of people accuse me of, of that um, or of like just stirring the pot. I, I don't really look at it that way. I look at like I, I tell compelling stories that clearly people want to read. Listen, if people didn't want to read these stories, they wouldn't be the number one story in the website. And then the magazine would probably say, hey, why don't you write about something else? But I happen to have a knack for what people want to read about. Um, I don't think that I like I don't think I'm a race baiter. I don't think, you know, that I... I, I don't know. People want to read these stories. A lot of times I write about controversial issues and, you know, people on both sides will argue about them. Um, you know, I think we're at a weird point in American society right now, right now where uh, there is like so much um, uh, a lack of civility, um, which has really changed the game a little bit. So, like, we don't have comments on our website anymore. Right. Uh, we used to. Right. Uh, and it really became a cesspool. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, people can leave comments on Facebook if they want or they can email us. 
Um, but you know, I, I don't think I, you know, I, I mean, I don't purposefully, pur- purposefully incite hate, um, hate mail. Um, but I get a lot, I get a fair amount of it. <laughs> so, and he, uh, his second question was, what's the best hate mail you've ever received? Well, there's been so much, so it's really hard to say, but I will. What, I, <laughs> so many good ones over the years. I'll I tell you. can narrow it down to just one. I'll tell you the story that has produced the most hate mail, and I still get hate mail to this day, and I probably wrote it five, seven, maybe it was eight years ago. I don't really remember. It was called, um, I Hate Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Because I do. Me too. Um, I, I still get, I, I think I like that. I love that article. I still get the mail. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, the, the so the best instance of hate mail, it wasn't really hate mail, but it was about that story. All of a sudden, there was this website called Victor Fiorillo is a child rapist.com or something like that. And it was like, it, it was purporting to like have all this evidence about me being a child rapist and like all these accounts. And it was like, you know, obviously total fiction and like, fantasy um and it came like fan page it was a fan page maybe like a week after that story came out i was just getting you know a barrage of hate mail and threats i mean i literally got physical threats over that bruce springsteen story so (laughs) i did a little sleuthing our lawyers did a little sleuthing and our it guy did a little sleuthing and we realized that the person who posted it was a guy who was posting comments on the bruce springsteen story and he turned out to be a paralegal at one of the biggest law firms in philadelphia um, and I don't know what happened after the editor-in-chief called the managing partner of the law <laughs> firm and informed him of this. So why would you do something? Why would you report on something that has a decent chance of resulting in th- threats of physical violence? Well, uh, I mean, the threats of physical violence are few and far between. Um, you know, why would I write about something that you know gets hate mail and things like that? I mean, I, I just... It doesn't bother me. Like I, I just don't care what people say about me. Do you like it? Do you like being a mm, heel, sort of? No, I, I mean, I, no, I, I wouldn't say that I like it. It just doesn't bother me. I don't get off on it. I definitely don't get off on it. Um, it doesn't like energize me to like. <laughs> you're not like Bobby Heen, Bobby the Brain Heenan. No, like you're no, not no. just trying to get the crowd riled up. <laughs> I, a lot of people think I am. I just I honestly want to tell compelling stories. If people want to get angry about them, so be it. If they want to send me hate mail, okay, that's fine. If they want to physically threaten me and like they say they have my home address, I'm going to call the police. Um, you know, you know. But that's the that's the nature of the job when you're writing about. You know, I've written about very many, and I'm not including anybody that we've talked about in this. When I say this, I've written I've written about some really evil, bad people, um, and so it just comes with the territory that you're going to write about people and people who know them are going to be upset about it and i've also written about people who aren't evil but like who are just like they do stupid they do stupid shit and you write about it and you know i i write about people like i just wrote the other day about the socialite dana spain um who just closed her restaurant which is infested by uh, flies and uh mice um and she's like the founder of paws and she's a member of the union league and we have many friends in common quote-unquote friends facebook friends um, you know, and and like I'm, a lot of them are pissed at me for well, writing it, it, but I, I just I, don't I, I care. That. It was a little snarky, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, once yeah. in a while they get you let me go a little, a little over the top. Yeah. So let's um, we'll get to uh, the Philly Blunt, where we're just going to kind of hit you with whatever questions pop up. You you answer with whatever answers pop up. Cool. Um, and one I like to ask because I always uh, think it's kind of interesting is uh, what would the uh, what would the current you tell the eighteen year old you? Don't take cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So I'm going to go to, um, you had, I read a piece of yours on Dana, and uh, you, you, you led me to the One Percenter blog with her bio. So I'm going to ask you one or two questions that they asked her. <laughs> What's one thing most people don't know about you? I used to run uh, swingers parties. Out of a uh, house? We, uh, Did you we, rent it? Um, hold on. I think we can cut off the Philly Blunt now because <laughs> I think now I just want to focus on this <laughs> no, no. one topic. There yeah. was this guy in uh, South Philly who bought a building that used to be a strip club, so it had poles and everything in it, and his name was Boban. Um, of course and it was. His wife's name was... Is it B-O or B-E-A-U? I don't know, but... Uh, and his wife's <laughs> it was name... definitely the latter. His wife's name was Lydia, um, and... I don't really remember exactly how I met him. I think it was at a bar, and we got to talking. And the girl that Classified I was ad. the the woman I was with at the time, you know, um, she was uh, bisexual. So we were kind of like exploring this world a little bit, but not really. And um, he invited us to this party, um, and it was a swingers party, and uh, it was very poorly run. And I told him, but he was making a lot of money. And I told him, listen, had dude, you, we had you had been the swingers party. Parties previously to see what the mistakes really this guy was run. making. Like, yeah, <laughs> this guy's a shit show here. Yeah, Got is, no what, idea. What is this? Look at, lo- look at all the lubies wasting. <laughs> um, and I told him I could help him out. And so my girlfriend and I kind of like took over the operations <laughs> end of it. Uh, made a lot of money. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was right around the corner from the Melrose Diner. I can't remember the name of the street, but it was like one of those little, like so. Melrose is on what Snyder. Um, so it was on a street that was perpendicular to Snyder, okay, right now, near the, right around the corner from the Melrose. Yeah. Now this was obviously not a topic that I thought we were going to get into tonight, but now I'm pretty fascinated. What, what, what was the layout? Thank God for this one percenter blog. I these know. questions. Yeah, yeah. So what was the layout for these parties? I mean, people were paying whatever fifty bucks mm-hmm. a person. It was fifty. What, it was exactly fifty. Oh wow. Uh, well, it was. Oh, you just happened to know. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. I know more about this than you think I just do. Just coincidence. You know well, how much this cover charge is. Single men, so single men were more, but uh, couples were fifty dollars a person. I think single men might have been like eighty-five dollars. Okay, that makes sense. And, and he then, built these like little uh, bungalows. It was like a sort of like a warehouse space. I mean, it was an old strip club, so it was cavernous, mm-hmm. and they lived there. Um, and he built these little, like I guess you would call them bungalows in there um, that had windows and beds and doors. And you could either like go in there and leave the doors open or the window open. Like the door open meant, you know, like, come on in. The window open meant, you know, watch, <laughs> enjoy yourself. Um, and uh, we actually never really got into the swinging end of it. Um, at, well, actually, at all. I mean, we, we wound up having a... You were just like in a three-piece three suit smoking a cigarette? And it's like, okay, <laughs> yes. how, how are the operations in room <laughs> yeah. four? How's the operations in room four? That's more or less the case. Uh, we did have, I, I don't know what you call it. We had a girlfriend. My girlfriend and I had a girlfriend, and we went to the parties uh, a few times together. But, like, you know, there was never there was never anything outside of the three of us. Let's so say. how does that happen? What's that? How does a girlfriend, you and your girlfriend with a girlfriend happen? Who finds the girlfriend for you and your girlfriend? I went into La Col- I was living with my girlfriend um, on Spruce Street, and I went into La Cologne one day, and there was this new woman behind the bar uh, whose name was Victoria, um, and uh, she was from Russia. Um, and I told her, uh, I said, that is a lovely dress that you're wearing, and you look very lovely in it. 
That was my big pickup line. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it just started from there. And, uh, you know, she and I had a drink and I invite, and then I, you know, I told my girlfriend and she met us and, you know, it just, I could, I could tell that my girlfriend would want, would like this woman. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh man. Those were, those were some wild days you were having. Who, who knew? Yeah, they were pretty wild. Um, but the parties were fun. Um, until, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, do, how does this thing collapse? Because I mean, uh, you're, you're you're hanging out at these swingers clubs. You've got everything under control. You're making a ton of money. Very but, efficient but, but, swingers yeah, club. Yeah, you got a very efficient swingers club where everything is happening at just the right time. He's and got then, like the arcade guy with like the coin things in the front of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but but obviously things like this tend to so, sort of finally hit their right. Yeah. Well, uh, the one thing is that my girlfriend. Uh, wound up moving out and the Russian girl wound up moving in so we broke up and the girlfriend was the one who was running these things with me um, Boban and I had a bit of a falling out uh, <laughs> as you tend to do with a guy named Boban right. from Bosnia right B-A-U 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 and you know the other the other thing was just like you know it's a very small world, and I, I, I can't go into too much detail on this, but... Sure you can. <laughs> I really can't. Can I get you a shot? Can I- <laughs> Her name was Tina. Um, let's just say that a uh, a male relative of mine showed up at one of the swingers' parties. Uh, oh, and, what? And, uh, oh, my God. And I will, further go, I will further go on to say that it... Hopefully okay. he was clothed when you saw him. He was, um, and it turned out, so I wasn't completely, it wasn't that I wasn't truthful, I forgot about this one detail. The girlfriend and I, before we met the Russian girl, we did have a relationship, not a relationship, we hooked up with a couple, this German woman and her husband that we met through the Philadelphia Weekly, or maybe it was the Welcome Mat uh, ads in the back. Um, And it turned out, and I know this sounds too crazy to be true, but it turns out upon further investigation that my male relative and his uh, woman that he was with also slept with <laughs> this German woman and her husband. True story. I wish I wish I could tell you a little more, I but mean, it would just I mean, it would just, just such a small community though. So it's probably well, all incestuous. In I mean a that's way. that's very true. Uh, but you know, so that was another thing. It was just kind of like wow, like this is just too close for comfort. I mean, was it weird? Like you would see people out, like you know, sort of at breakfasts a few blocks away, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, I saw that person naked like a couple days ago and here they are just you know back in the real world that kind of stuff would happen i mean i definitely think that the uh, um i definitely think that the eyes wide shut model of these things where everybody's wearing a mask is a better idea uh-huh so now that you've uh, gotten married and had kids i think this part of your career is probably over i think so <laughs> Hey, are we going to mention my band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to that. Oh, okay, cool. Because you manage that band, right? Yeah, I play in and manage the band, yeah. What's the band's name? The Martha Graham Cracker Cabaret. We're celebrating our 13th uh, year together. I think it's one of the best live shows in town, but how would you describe it to people who have no idea what it is? Um, Whereas most drag shows consist of a drag queen lip-syncing to uh, Madonna tracks, we uh, have a six-foot, eight-inch hairy drag queen um, with a great voice, and we have a great band, and we do our own arrangements of songs that you might know. Uh, they're all covers, um, but most of them are very rearranged, uh, like we might do uh, Bill Withers' Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone, as if it was played by Black Sabbath with a four-part choral section. 
Uh, so it's different. It's unusual. And uh, Dito is an amazing actor. He's one of the co-founders of uh, Pig Iron Theater Company, one of the you know city's most important uh, experimental theater companies. Um, and so the show really sits at a weird intersection of drag, theater, rock concert, cabaret, comedy. Uh, so I think that's one reason we're so successful is that there's you know nothing really like it. Things have obviously changed a lot in 13 years in terms of drag queens. I mean, in terms of yeah. how it's uh, the politics of it and the acceptance of it and all of those types of things. What have you seen change in those 13 years? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, the scene in Philly has changed a lot um, in that, you know, now you have more people like Martha who aren't necessarily part of the sort of like old neighborhood drag contingent. And they're two very different worlds and they don't mix very often. I mean, I will tell you that, you know, the Martha Graham Cracker Cabaret, which brings 2000 people out to the art museum for shows, sells out fringe arts at $35 a ticket for 300 people has never been asked to perform at Outfest or any of those, you know, uh, gay establishment events um so it's kind of weird i mean we have drag queens that are friends of ours that we definitely get along with but they're two completely different worlds um you know uh obviously like things like rupaul drag race have like changed things but we have a very unique audience i mean we have a theater crowd um we have 80 year old people coming to our shows you know sitting next to 21 supposedly year old uh you know, sorority sisters at Penn. I mean, it, it's just a unique thing that we do. Um, I think it's a testament to the um, actual talent that you guys have as a band. It's a really tight, talented band. You guys sound great. He's a great singer. Just, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a fun show, and um, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we've always sort of wondered, like, what are we supposed to do with this? And at the end of the day, it just feels like, I mean, sort of like the Grateful Dead was a live band and who really cares about their albums. I think it's the same for us. We're just going to do live shows. That's what it's about. People have tried to, you know, we have wealthy uh, theater patron friends in Philly who've wanted to finance recordings. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather just go play a packed room, have some drinks, call it a day. I'm a big fan of keeping things very simple. Um, And cheap. Yeah, and cheap. (laughs) And swinging. Uh, Yeah. So, so let me go back. The whole swingers we got there because of the one percenter blog on the oh, right. union. All right, so you got another question. So another right. question. It was a great question. What's your favorite food or restaurant? I mean, I guess nine times out of ten, if you said to me, "Hey, let's go to dinner tonight," I would say, "Let's go to Villa Roma in the Italian market." Oh, I love Villa. I mean, I grew up at Italian. fried asparagus. Yeah, I mean, they've got great food down there. Um, you know, I also, like I said, live out in Overbrook, so I'm close to Delaware County, and I love like places like the Clam Tavern. You know, just like old school seafood restaurant, um, and it's cheap. Uh, <laughs> five five dollar beef eater martinis at happy hour. Come on! All right, so I'll uh, my last last question for you. Um, who is a Philly quote unquote celebrity that you thought you really were not going to like that you ended up liking? And vice versa. John Belair. John Belair. I was going to say John Belair. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's something endearing about him for me on Twitter, man. Yeah. The the funniest thing is, is that, you know, I'm the guy who wrote the headline, John Belair shit himself, according to the FBI, (laughs) which John Belair 
says that that article has resulted in him being unemployable in the TV yeah. world. I mean, he literally yeah. told me this in an interview, like flat out. <laughs> Nevertheless, whenever I have called John Belarus after that story, he picks up the phone right away. <laughs> yes, Victor. Yeah. All right, one more. Yeah. Do a fuck Mary kill. Okay. All Philadelphia people. Jake Tapper, John Street, and Will Smith. So I have to tell you which one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate to be so on yeah, hip, but I have gonna, to pick one for each. You're going to fuck one, marry one, and kill one. And who are they? Go- Again, Jake Tapper. John Street and Will Smith. Um, I would marry Jake Tapper. I would fuck Will Smith, and I would kill <laughs> John, John Street. John Street. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, tuning in. Victor, thank you so much for coming yeah, on the podcast. Thanks a lot. It was fun, Victor. Thank it you. Was. You guys rock. All right. Thanks, man. We'll see you later. My name's Johnny Good Times. Wow, this is great. Take it light. It's the sound of Philadelphia. Yo, yo. Welcome to the home of brotherly love. Brothers covered in blood. The man's office is covered in bugs.